Welcome to Murder in the Black with Steph and MD. Welcome back to Murder in the Black. I'm your host, Steph. And I'm MD. And we just want to give you guys an update because we are officially in season five. Whoop, whoop. And we will be doing a lot of new things. So just want to announce really quickly some of the things we'll be doing. We'll be doing a couple of IG live shows for you guys. So we're not doing quite live shows yet, but you got to start somewhere. Right. <laughs> By the end of the year, definitely by um, mid-November, probably right after Thanksgiving, we'll be launching our website, and we will have merch on there for you guys. We can't wait. We've really been brainstorming, trying to make sure we come out with some good stuff for you guys. Yeah, it'll be lightweight, like, you know, some t-shirts, some hats, just some slogans that you guys have said that you love, but just an effort to just kind of grow and expand. We'll be recording some podcasts. Um on video and then be putting those on youtube so just like just think growth and expansion for season five and of course we have great stories for you guys i mean that that's always always that's gonna come to you that's not changing and we hope that you will help us grow by subscribing liking and sharing for sure so make sure you um sign up for our pay subscription currently we have three people that are signed up and i'm not ashamed of saying just three because if we get our first 10, we will be holding a giveaway for the first 10 people who sign up. So please sign up. Y'all are missing out on original content. All the, like, I actually just released today a case that inter- inter- interested me. And I was like, you know what? I think I want to do that for Murder in the Black, but not on a regular platform. Boom. So you get some good, unique, and first come, first serve type stuff when you subscribe. Yeah. So. Come on through. Yep, yep, yep. It's all a part of our season five expansion, and we're just trying to get bigger and better for everybody involved. So, MD, take us away. Let's get into our case. So, grab your coffee if it's the morning or your wine if it's the evening, but either way, let's get into it. All right, our case for today takes us to murphy's borough and i really had to like work on that name it's very country very unfamiliar and, and everybody it's not spelled the way that it sounds no and everybody who was saying it like on the documentary i watched i watched two documentaries and they all said it like you know pretty country and i was like oh my god i can't keep up what so i literally <laughs> went on google and had a lady like pronounce it for me hey you got it down Listen, y'all be coming for me, and not today, Satan. Okay? <laughs> Period. So, Murfreesboro is right outside of Nashville, Tennessee. And for a moment, I just want everybody, including MD, to just kind of allow yourself to time travel back into college. And I know that most of you are in within our age range because our analytics tell me so. So, time travel. We got a couple of college students, but time travel back in time for me. 
So Murfreesboro is a college town, meaning that if you weren't in college, you probably had something to do with the college. Are you familiar with that, MD? Oh, for sure, because that's where I, that's how it was for when I went to school. So I went to UNT in Denton, Texas, and Denton is a college city. And so typically you're in Denton because you went to college there and maybe you stayed there or you are a professor or you work at the, the college. So that's how Murfreesboro basically was. And I can relate as well because going to Tuskegee, like literally Tuskegee, nothing is in Tuskegee, but Tuskegee University. <laughs> and I know a lot of people want to tussle with that, but I mean, thank God that they're there because they offer like jobs for the community. And it would right. just be like, I wouldn't say that the, the city wouldn't exist, right, without the university being there, but it's a good thing that it is. It wouldn't be thriving the way that it is. Because I know, like, Denton is now booming way more than it was when when I was there. But even still, but for the university, and there's actually two universities there now, but, like, you know, but for the universities that are there, the town expands. Yeah, for sure. Awesome. So, Middle Tennessee State University was actually that college for Murfreesboro. And they are a D1 school, which I didn't know prior to this. They are known for their sports program, especially back in the early 2000s, specifically the 2007 season. The Lady Raiders basketball team dominated the basketball sports game, whatever, however you would Interesting. say Interesting. Didn't know that. Yeah, brand new information, but, you know, good information. So they had a really good squad of girls and a very popular fan base. So I told you to imagine that you're back in college and just imagine that you're there in Murfreesboro going to Middle Tennessee State. So let's talk about the hierarchy of the social class of college because it's pretty similar in a lot of ways to high school, just on a grander scale. You agree? I agree. Yeah. So when you're attending a D1 school, who would you say MD would sit at the top of the pyramid as far as like social status? Oh, for sure. Athletes. Yeah. 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 Because, you know, they bring in funds to the school. You know, the school recruits stars from around the state and even the country. So, you know, they're like the money makers. Absolutely. Prize possessions. And we're just going to go down the hierarchy list. And next... What would you say? Who would you say, MD, would be the next in the social class hierarchy? Fraternities, sororities. Exactly. So, you know, fraternities and sororities, you know, can be broken down even further, right? Because you got the PWI fraternities and sororities, and then you got the black fraternities and sororities. Right. But regardless of how extremely different the culture is there, both are pretty popular on campus. For sure. Regardless of class. Because, like, you could be a freshman and just cross, but now everybody knows you. Like, you're known, right? So, we're going to kind of go past that of people who are in clubs and affiliated with different groups on campus. And just kind of go down to the traditional nitty-gritty. Freshmen are usually looked at as what, MD? The bottom of... The bottom of the barrel. Yeah, they're the bottom of the barrel. Yeah, I mean, you they're know. poo-poo, they're pawns. And obviously it improves as you climb up the ladder. So it was no different than this at Middle Tennessee State. 
So does this social class order sound familiar to you guys? Can you relate? Was it different? We want to interact with you on our poll, so let us know. But in the fall of 2010, we meet Tina Stewart. And she was a popular girl on campus, not just because she was a junior a upperclassman. She had an infectious smile, outgoing personality, and all of these things were true. But people really knew her because she was a part of the Lady Raider basketball team. And Tina was on a sports scholarship or athletic scholarship for her skills in basketball. So she made such an impact on campus. She was very popular. You know, the basketball team loved her. They were popular. They were gaining a lot of notoriety because of her skills on the court. A little bit of background about Tina. She had somewhat of a rough upbringing. Um, and she was actually one of the first people within her family to go to college. So she was actually fulfilling some of her parents' dreams and even, you know, setting an example for her younger siblings. Like many upperclassmen, she didn't want to live in the dorms on campus. And what do people usually do, MD, when they're like, I don't want to be on campus, but I still got to be on campus? Yeah, usually there's apartment complexes that are nearby or even campus-owned. So, like, I attend, I, my freshman year, I, because our incoming freshman class was so large and they didn't have enough dormitories for us they put us in an apartment complex that the university ended up owning and so it was run very much like a dorm we had a RA we had like all of the things but we were in an apartment so usually you know people that don't stay in dorms but don't want to be you know too far away from campus will stay in campus owned apartments that are usually you know, walking distance to the school. Right, and that's exactly what she did. And like you, it was affiliated with the college and ran with the same college rules. Like, they, you might have been off campus, baby, but you still had to follow the rules, right? right? Right, And she was still close enough to campus to go to her practices without any incident. Now, I kind of wonder, as I was researching this case, what the process was for picking roommates. And while we don't know that, we do know that Tina was chosen to be in an apartment with someone who couldn't be, like, they, she was so opposite from Tina. Like, if you had to, to pick anybody, you definitely probably wouldn't pick this girl. And her name was Shanterica Madden. Now, Shanterica was happy, loving, shy, very sheltered in her upbringing, didn't experience a whole lot because her parents made sure that she kind of grew up in the, the lap of luxury, so to speak. But how one person described her on this documentary was, is that she was easily forgotten. And initially when I heard that, you know, because first persons are every, everything, I was like, you know, dang, is that a little shade? She's easily forgotten? <laughs> but as I like thought about it and kind of I know the ending of this case right so now looking back at that as I'm retelling the story to you guys I really think that it wasn't an intentional shade it wasn't a diss honestly because in comparison to Tina who had this very outgoing personality who was vivacious and a person like Shanterica which all you knew about her is that she was very shy and reserved well she could be easily forgotten and so it really wasn't a dig as so much it was true for the person describing her. So Shanterica was a nerd, and I mean that in the most complimentary way as possible. She just always had her head in the book. She was trying to fulfill her academic goals, and she was awarded an opportunity to go to college on a full-ride scholarship to fulfill those goals. And she 
was really concerned about making sure that she stayed on track in her academics, especially for her freshman year. Now, this is just another difference that I'm highlighting for you guys because it would seem like despite their personality differences, at least they would be placed in the same with a roommate of the same class because then you have at least that, you know, that similarity between each other. However, they were chose to stay together in this apartment. And while I'm focusing on the differences, they did have a couple of things in common. One, they were both from Memphis, Tennessee. And they actually attended the same high school. But I doubt, and there is no evidence that they even knew each other in high school, because let's face it, they were in two different classes. And they probably hung around two different groups. So all they had in common was the fact that they went to the same high school at one point in time, and they were from Memphis, Tennessee. Despite the differences, Immediately upon moving in, problems started to happen. So Tina actually tells a lot of her basketball, you know, sisterhood about a lot of the issues that she's having with Shanterica. And one of them is Shanterica is messy. And I don't get the impression that Tina was an OCD, like overly clean person as much as she just wanted people to clean up after themselves. You know, use the basics, the basics. (laughs) If you some put it away, clean it up. But Shanterica would often find herself leaving glasses and food in the sink for days upon end, weeks on end. And she would not clean up after herself. And it made Tina wonder, like, was this just the way she grew up? Like, maybe her mom cleaned up after her all the time. And I'm not about to do that. I'm not, I'm not your mom. I'm not your, I'm not your mom or your maid. Or your, oh, well, Neither one. double punch. So instead of Tina facing this head on, like, she decided that she was going to do something different because in addition to her not cleaning up after herself she also was using and eating a lot of tina's things and she was doing this without asking she was just like you know okay we both roommates all right sis you got bread i don't i'm about to eat it i'm not gonna ask you so instead of tina confronting it head on tina went about it in a very passive aggressive way (laughs) She went to the store and purchased two of everything. So if Shanterica had a toaster and she didn't, well, she purchased herself a toaster. And not only did she purchase two of everything to ensure that she had everything she needed and maybe that left Shanterica without something, she also got labels and labeled everything that was hers to reinforce the notion that if it's not yours... Don't eat it. Leave it alone. Please. But this non-confrontational approach was, (laughs) as you can imagine, very unwelcoming. Tina started to feel unwelcomed in her own home, and she never addressed it either. They kind of just had this unspoken tension within the household. But one thing Tina would do is she would hop on Twitter. And I've already told you, Tina was popular on campus. And, you know, Twitter, I can't even say Twitter was not a thing during this time because it was and it's still a thing today. 
And can you imagine, like, the circle, the social circle is pretty small at this university. She's popular. So Tina would often get on social media and vent. Now, while she didn't say exactly who she was talking about, everybody knew who she lived with. So she would get online and say things like, my roommate is so nasty. She don't ever clean up after herself. What is she doing? And she wouldn't name Shanterica, but... I mean, it was Shantaire. It was Shantaire. It was Shantaire. I mean, it, it, there was no ifs and buts about it. Now, you may be saying to yourself, okay, they don't get along. There's a lot of tension. Why don't they just break their lease and move? Right? But both of these girls are on scholarship. Everything is paid in full for the semester. So for them to leave <laughs> would be forfeiting a lot of things, Right? The, uh, the ability to walk to and from campus, um, the money that has been spent on them. And it just wasn't as easy like, where to they, just where are they walk gonna away. Go? Right. Like, where are they going to go? Right. So, Shanterica, although shy and reserved, kind of made some friends. She made some friends. Um, and these friends made her feel comfortable. And when you're in college, it's your freshman year. You're probably getting into things that you never experienced before. One of those things for her was marijuana. She decided that she wanted to like try her hand at smoking. She enjoyed it. And it was a way of relaxing for her. Now, while these campus apartments were still run by the college because they weren't heavily monitored like a dormitory they could get away with some things they couldn't get away with on campus one of them being smoking they could easily go to Shanterica's apartment and smoke but I've told you Tina was an athlete so one day she walks into the house and she smells weed because you can't miss that smell (laughs) for sure and so she knows obviously Shanterica and her friend are in the room smoking so this time she tries the confrontation you know she's like I'm just gonna confront it and she goes to Shanterica's room and says hey listen I'm randomly drug tested and I gotta say you may be saying well she's not smoking but the thing about being drug tested in college, they know that you probably or may not be ingesting it at the time, but they can pull your hair. And that hair follicle can tell exactly how long you've been smoking. And so even though you might get away with like a pee test, right, a urine test, um, you know, you can still get caught up. And here she is in the same house, and she just doesn't want to risk it. She doesn't want to chance it. So she asked Shanterica, hey, listen, can you just not smoke in the house? I'm randomly jug tested. Sometimes my coach will come by and do um, curfew check. I I don't want her coming in because there's that's that's too much of a risk for me. I'm on scholarship. I'm not trying to lose my scholarship. And Shanterica receives it. She says, okay, but there is the tension that has been brewing from the labels and buying two of everything and Twitter and Twitter. This is all building up. It's a boiling pot. A boiling pot that is going to (laughs) begin to overflow. Because in spring semester, confrontations continue. And Tina actually has a boyfriend. And her boyfriend starts to come to her apartment a lot more. Her boyfriend's name was Casey Anuna. And he played for the male's basketball team. 
many described him as not a typical jock because he just like wasn't full of himself. He was very nice, carried himself very well and just loved people. He was very he was very much a nice guy. They started dating in 2008. So they actually had some years of dating one another and to boot, they were both very popular. He was a sigma on campus and on the basketball team that was very successful. She was on the basketball team. They were like the it couple on campus. Everybody knew them. And so KC, when he came over to Tina's apartment, he felt like, hey, I'm supposed to be here. And he would be there all the time. Shanterica never said she was bothered by this. And so Tina felt like this is my apartment and I can invite whoever I want over. After all, the only true area that we're sharing in common is the living room. Everything else, my room and him coming over and being with me, that should be off limits. So tension is still there. And by mid-January 2011, an incident happens with KC and Shanterica. Shanterica comes back to the apartment assuming that no one is there, so she decides to hop into the shower before going to class that day. She comes out assuming, like I said, that she's the only one in the apartment. She's wrapped up in a towel And she comes out of the bathroom to see KC in their apartment. Of course, she's in stop. She doesn't know what to do. Now, you have to understand this about, I feel like I have to give context so we can kind of get the full picture. Shanterica was a virgin. And she was very sheltered. So why, you know, for for me, this wouldn't be a big thing. Like, I might be shocked. I might say, dang, what you doing here? Like, why are you here? Go somewhere else. I just got shot. Like, you know, I would say all these things. But for her, it was like, what is this guy doing? Like, is he going to rape me? Is he, you know, she was very alarmed. And I think her being sheltered really lended to her maybe overreaction to this situation. So she quickly, like, you know, gathers herself, gets into her room, and she calls her mom. She's embarrassed. She's surprised. And Shanterica's mother was so upset by the news that Casey was in their apartment that she actually calls the administrators of the apartment complex. Do you see the pot boiling over? Because it's almost there. We're we're almost there. This is crazy. (laughs) So the apartment complex, you know, they take this seriously because they feel like, okay, this is, this isn't a good thing. We don't know how often Casey is over at the apartment. So why don't we just set up a mediation where you guys can kind of like talk this thing through, talk it out. But Tina was over it. She was pissed, first of all, that Shanterica just didn't come to her and say, girl, I didn't really like him being here while I was in the shower. Or can you give me a heads up when he's here? But when it went to mediation that day, they officially became enemies, at least to Tina. According to her boyfriend, Casey, that was it for her. And the tension within the household just intensified. It was a ticking time bomb. So... They would only speak to each other if they had to. And on March 2nd, they were scheduled to meet for this mediation that the apartment complex set up. And Tina didn't show up for it. 
And I know what you're thinking. Well, why would this girl not show up for the mediation? Well, she was already done before the <laughs> before they even. It got was there. no point for her. It was like, what's the point of going? I'm 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 over it. I'm over it. And to boot, she did have a tournament that was leaving that day. So you know, it was like I'm over it. I wouldn't showed up anyway, but I really can't show up because I have a t- tournament for basketball. So one day. Shanterica and her friend Nene, who is, her real name is Renee, but she was only known to Shanterica by Nene, are in the dining hall and they are kind of planning out their evening as they're getting closer and closer to spring break. So they said, okay, we're going to eat at the dining hall, then we're going to go and wash our clothes, and then we'll head back to Shanterica's apartment so that we can smoke a little weed. Because she doesn't think that Tina's there and let's face it she doesn't really respect Tina and neither and it's vice versa it's both ways right she didn't she didn't really care if Tina was there or not right so Tina actually is there she's in her bedroom and they come back to the apartment they they roll up they roll up they joint they start smoking it out the window and Tina who is in her room smells it and she's livid because she asked you already not to do it. You're doing it. Plus, you ain't got your mama involved in our situation. Dispute. You took it to the, pl- right. the office. You took it to the office. So she said, you know what? Pound for pound, body for body. We going. We going full, full throttle. <laughs> and she decides to call the apartment security to file a formal complaint. And she also pulls out that phone because Twitter fingers turn into trigger fingers, right? (laughs) And so she is like, okay, I got them. The cops actually knock on the door within a couple of minutes of her calling in the complaint. And, of course, they're like wondering for a second because they think they're alone. Who notified the police that we were smoking? But that's when... Tina, who kind of like pulls up, bowl, opens up her door, stands in her doorway with her phone in her hand, and is actively on Twitter as the police are blowing up Tina's spot. So at 5:33, she logs onto the she she logs onto uh, Twitter, and she is saying, "Oh, I got my roommate caught up." At 5:55, she says, "I hope they find something. Please, please, lol." Now, her friend who she was smoking with, Nene, was scared. She felt like, oh, my gosh, we're about to get into trouble. Um, And, of course, Tina is petrified because she's on scholarship. So she's like, oh, my gosh, I'm about to lose my scholarship. Shanterica? Yeah, Shanterica. Yeah, Shanterica's scared that she's going to lose her scholarship. And Tina's still at the door tweeting away. Tina's absolutely fed up with the situation, and she begins, well, MD, no, I think, MD, you need to tell us about what happened at that point. Yeah, so Tina is 1,000% fed up with the situation, and she feels zero remorse for the fact that she called 911, or, you know, the cops, because, after all, Shanterica took it to the office, Shanterica involved her mother so hey what's the what's wrong with the fact that i'm covering myself 
and ensuring that I don't get in trouble. I already asked you not to do this. You gonna do it anyway? Okay, let's go. It's like a tit for tat that is happening at this point. And so about 90 minutes after, you know, Tina called the security, she placed a call to KC and and they made plans for KC to, to come over to the apartment after he got done with practice. So he calls Tina, but the calls kept being ignored you know and you know when your call is being ignored well you either know that it's being ignored or the phone is dead right because it'll ring and then just go straight to voicemail ring and go straight to voicemail so he's but he believes that the phone is just being ignored because he just talked to tina so what is the problem why is she not answering and he felt something was off he knew that someone quite right because when they talked tina told him I'm going to get in the shower, you come over, like, right after you get done with practice. This is what's going to happen. And so why is she not answering her phone? Especially when she's used to, he's used to talking to her. Like, I think you know the rhythm of your person. And he just was alarmed. Yeah, he knew his gut. And I think what's really true for, I think, most people is that, and some people are more in tune with it than others, but you know when something is off. Like, I just feel that something in my gut is telling me something's not right. And so um, he gets a message on his phone saying, you know, hey, don't worry about coming over. I, you know, I, gotta, I got some things I got to do. And he's like, man, this isn't right. So he, he goes over to the apartment because he's like, I know that this is what we said was going to happen. I feel like something's off. Let me just go over here. Um, and he knocks on the door and it, and nobody responds. And so he's like, you know, just trying to figure out what's happening. And so finally he opens, he, he gets in the house, he opens Tina's door and he sees that she's laying flat on the floor. He turns her over and he sees blood everywhere. And, and does he see when he walked into the apartment, did he see Shanterica? Was she there? Yes, and she 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 ran out like yeah, she, like she because he you know that's how he got in and she runs out and he's like what is what's going on right but also you got to understand he knows Shanterik and him don't have a good he knows the history mm-hmm. he knows that hey things ain't good so I think that it wasn't so alarming for him that she just ran out okay as much as it was where is Tina. Like, I just need, let me get to Tina. So he goes into her room, Mm -hmm. finds her laying on the floor. Like, he has to open her door, okay? So her door is not open. He opens it. He finds her laying on the floor. And he turns her over. And it's blood. It's like blood everywhere. And it's, you know, the way he described it was like, it felt like he was in a movie. Mm. So he calls for, you know, he calls for help, obviously. And when the first responders show up, um, they walk into, they're able to easily walk into the apartment because the door is ajar from when Shanterica ran out. Right. And, you know, they he, they follow the, the screams and the yells of KC because he's like in, he's crying. He's he's trying to figure out what's wrong with, with his girlfriend. He was, you know, extremely distraught. And so 
of course, you know, first responders began to attend to Tina to, to identify, you know, what, what aid needs to be done. And they end up, you know, uh, rushing her to a nearby hospital. Mm-hmm. Now, outside of the apartment complex, right. Shanterica is sitting on the front steps. Mm-hmm. Now, she did, you know, attempt to try to hide <laughs> yeah. under a car, but they were able to arrest her. They handcuffed her and put her in the, uh, you know, put took, took her to the, the police station. Yeah. Now, when they go in to process the crime scene, right, because at this point, you know, they, they what the police know is that we have a, a, a victim who is now being transported to the hospital. We don't know if this person is dead or alive, but we know that there are obvious wounds to this person, and we need to identify, is this a scene of a crime? Is this a suicide? Like, what, a suicide attempt? Like, what, what is happening? And so when they process the scene, it appears that it is a stab wound. Like that the victim sustained a stab wound. So they knew that they were, that's what EMT told the police. And so they knew that they were going into this crime scene looking for a knife. And they wanted to recover the weapon that was involved in this brutal attack. They didn't find the weapon in the house. So they expand their search to outside of the apartment complex, right? Because if it's not in the house, Maybe it's nearby, right? right? And sure enough, they find by the dumpster a clear plastic bag and a Tinkerbell blanket that had blood on it. And inside of all of this wrapped up was a broken knife with blood. And it was wrapped inside the blanket inside a clear plastic bag. Right. And so at this point, the police, are they now have their weapon And they have their suspect in custody. And then they receive a phone call from the hospital notifying them that Tina didn't make it. And so they have to break that news to KC. And, you know, he drops to his knees. He's obviously completely broken because, you know, he he found he found his girlfriend in this way. I mean, can you you got to like only imagine the level of pain that he must have been experiencing because he knew something wasn't right. And although he did follow his instinct, I'm sure there was a part of him that just wished he had gone sooner or wished he could have made it in time. And what the, all the what ifs that like, I I'm sure plagued his mind. And so, you know, they let him know that she died um, of a, the result of a stab wound to the chest. So, the police head down to the station because they got to question Shanterica. Is she a suspect? Is she just, you know, a roommate that just so happened to be there? Did she find the body and was in shock and didn't know what to do? What, what is this role that Shanterica is playing? And when they go and question her, she was extremely calm. Like, that is the way that she was described as being like just matter of fact, no emotion at all. And regardless guys, I just want you to think about this because regardless, think about the person you dislike most in the world. Okay. Like I can't stand fill in the blank. If you were to happen upon that person's crime scene, 
that person being brutally attacked, most people would have a level of sympathy. And even if it was not necessarily for the victim itself, the shock of seeing a person in that manner would evoke some sort of emotion. Now, Shantarika had zero. She had zero emotion. And she recounts her story to the police. She says that, you know, her and Nene, you know, wanted to go back to their home, back to her apartment to smoke weed. And, you know, when they get there, Tina calls the police after the police leave. Because I don't know if that was clear to to, to you guys that the police ended up just kind of slapping Nene and, and Shantarika on the wrist. Like, hey, you guys need to stop. Put this up. Get rid of it. This isn't what you need to be doing here. The next time I find this, it's going to be a bigger problem. But this time, I'm going to let y'all go. And so when the police leave, Shantarica tells tells them, or when the security officer leaves, because not the police. So when the security leaves, the police she tells uh, the police that her and Tina get into this big argument. That ends up turning into a shoving match. We're like, you know, Tina's pushing her. She's pushing Tina. And Shantarica leaves out of her room and goes into Tina's room. She said after they got, like, you know, volatile, she decides, hey, I'm leaving. I'm going to get up out of here. She tells Nene, let's leave because, you know, I I don't want to be around her. And she tells the police that as her and Nene were walking outside in the parking lot, they observe a man that had dreads enter the apartment, like enter her apartment. And she recognized this guy and she claimed that she had seen him before come to their apartment. So she didn't, you know, think too much about it. So her and Nene, they leave, you know, they leave and go their separate ways. And she was like, when she saw Tina, the last she saw Tina, Tina was fine. And so she doesn't know what happened after that. So after listening to this story, the the police just are like, this just doesn't make sense. This isn't adding up. We need to verify if this story lines up with Nene's story. Right. And I want to say real quick, she, Shantarica, I said this before, but Shantarica only knew Nene as Nene. Like, as her nickname. She right, her name know. was Renee. Her name was Renee. And so the police are looking for Nene. You know, this is why we got to go. <laughs> Somebody got to know your government name, okay? You know what I'm saying? So they out here looking for Nene, and they can't find Nene because Nene is Renee. And Renee doesn't know anything that may or may not be happening, doesn't know that people are looking for her, specifically the police. And so... At this point, you know, the police are really frantically trying to find Nene. So they go to the media. And as soon as they do, Renee learns that, hey, they're looking for me. <laughs> Let me go turn myself in because I, I, I yes, just I smoked smoke weed, weed, but I ain't murder nobody. So let me go and clear up any mess that may be right. I'm about to sing like a canary bird. Baby, <laughs> right. What, what do you want to, to you? know? Because it was not me. So Renee goes in. She talks to the police, and she's according to Renee, she does very. You know, she vouches for yes. The security officer was called. Yes. After the security officer left, 
Tina and Shantarica got into a big argument in Tina's room. She said she did hear like rumblings happening in the room. Like, you know, like obviously there was some sort of a tussle. She heard walls being hit. She heard doors being closed. She heard stop. She has a knife. My heart hurts. I'm just going to pause right there because she heard all of these things, but she never went to go find out what happened. As a matter of fact, she walked over to that door and locked it. Right. In Shantarica's room, because that's where she was. She locked locked Shantarica's room door. And so she says that after some time passed, Shantarica comes back to her room. And she notices, you know, that she has some blood on her. But Shantarica kind of just brushes it away and says, yeah, you know, I got cut from, you know, Tina. But, you know, we we just need to go. She saw she saw that Shantarica was holding a Tinkerbell blanket. And she asked Tina if she would help her discard it. And she actually had knife tumbles out of that blanket. Right. And so she's even more like when Shantarica says, can you take this? She's like, no. Yeah, Tina's like, I don't <laughs> I don't understand what's happening, but I know something not right happened in there. And no, I'm not going to take that. But she does. So so this that's where the story differs. Right. Like, so this is where the the different stories start to Shantarica's story and, and, and Nay's story start to shift and change. But then it gets back on point. Because Nay does say, yes, and at this point, we do leave the apartment complex. But I didn't help her discard anything. And I don't know what happened in that bedroom other than I heard some things happening in that Mm -hmm. bedroom. And she actually gets some friends to pick her up from what was the, the name of the apartment complex was Raiders Crossing. And initially, like MD, I gave Renee the whole side eye when she heard, my heart hurts. She has a knife. Stop. I mean, I was like, excuse me? You're not going to call nobody? But she actually, when she leaves the apartment complex with her friends, she's the first one to call the 911 dispatcher before KC does. She calls anonymously and says to the dispatcher, you guys need to come out to Raiders Crossing. The last apartment building gives them the apartment number. And she hangs up the phone. So that was the first 911 call. Renee called because she knew something. And for me, you know, I agree with you on giving her a side eye. But I want you to put yourself in her position. Okay. She she didn't know what was going on in that bedroom. And she obviously knew something had got volatile, right? Like violent even. She doesn't want that violence to to happen up, upon her. She's like, "Listen, like I'm not trying to die today either." So, you know, I'm not saying that you would do the same thing or that you would react in the same manner, but I can see a person being scared of what could happen to them if they went and checked. Like, what what would happen if she had went to go knock on that door? Yeah, no, I, I totally get you. I think the I think what I'm thinking, I'm, and I'm not saying she's right, wrong, or indifferent, just kind of given the side eye of, 
Dang, I wish she probably would have called 911 while she was when in she the was apartment. When she was in the apartment. And she locked Agreed. the door. Agreed. I just wish she would have. I mean, I, I totally get that she was scared. I mean, you would be. I would be scared, too. Absolutely. So, yeah. And we don't know. Maybe she didn't have a phone. Like, well, maybe she did, because obviously she called him when she got in the car. Maybe it was her friend's phone. Oh, we I don't think know she probably was running on adrenaline. Adrenaline, you know scared, doesn't yeah. know how to react. But either way, the police determine that Renee is not involved. And they don't charge her with anything. But what they do is use her story to go back to Shanterica and say, listen, your story's not lining up. It's not. It doesn't match the evidence. And, you know, they were insistent that they needed to get the full truth. And so at that point, they learn that the shoving match turned into what we know now was a violent end for Tina. You know, Tina, you know, was able to get Shanterica on the floor, according to Shanterica, was able to, you know, push her down onto the floor and, you know, started to beat her in the head. Shanterica sees a knife on Tina's bed. This is according to Shanterica. And so she grabs that knife and she says, in self-defense, she stabbed her. However, Tina's wound tells a different story. It appears that, and this is what the prosecution states in their case at trial that the shoving match happened. Shanterica walks out the room. She goes into the kitchen. She grabs a knife from the kitchen. She takes it back into Tina's room and she stabs her multiple times. Not one time like Shanterica tries to tell the cops. I stabbed her once and walked away in, in self-defense. But she stabbed her multiple times. And I just want to pause there for a second to give just some legal background. When you, a lot of times we think premeditation, it takes, it's a plan. It's, it's a long process. It's a thought out plan. But premeditation can happen in but an instant, right? You can think it. And if they can prove that you thought it and that you wanted to do it and then you did that thing, that can be premeditation. And so they were able to establish intent by her walking out of the room because she could have just as easily walked out the room, walked back into the room with Renee. Her and Renee closed the door, locked the door, stayed in there and, you know, cussed her out from the room or even just left the house. Instead, Shanterica went into the kitchen. She grabbed a knife. She walked back in and then she stabbed her multiple times. Now, 45 minutes from the time that Renee left and Casey arrived, Shanterica does a load of laundry. She also takes Tina's phone and begins to send out false text messages to Casey, trying to like just cover up her crime. So those messages that Casey was getting, that Casey just felt was off, he could tell something wasn't quite right was, in fact, Shanterica. And during this time, you know, Shanterica disposes of the murder, murder weapon. And what they were able to find on the murder weapon was Tina's DNA. They were able to find blood on Shanterica's hands that were Tina's. It matched Tina's DNA. 
And even though Renee corroborated that she felt like it was self-defense, that Shantarica stabbed Tina, the prosecution did not believe that it that, that that's what this was. And they pursued Tina for second-degree murder. Um, and they charged her with tampering with evidence after trying to throw away her murder weapon. And the jury found Shantarica guilty of second-degree murder, and they sentenced her to 25 years in prison. Now, I want to say that so many people were surprised that Shantarica did this. They, because her personality, and if you remember how Steph described her in the beginning of our episode, she was quiet, she was reserved, she was very much to herself, easily forgotten. And she was very smart because she was at this college on a, a scholarship for academics. But even though so many people couldn't believe that Shantarica could do something like this, the evidence pointed to Shantarica. And now Shantarica is behind bars. Uh, one of the things that was said in, in our research and the documentaries that we watched is that when the verdict was read, Shantarica showed no emotion. Very similar to the emotion, the, no emotion that she showed when the police first questioned her. And it's just almost like very heartless, right? Because let's say it was self-defense. Let's believe Shantarica for a quick moment. Even if it was self-defense, there would be a level of I killed somebody. <laughs> I didn't I didn't want her to die. I wanted her to get out my face. I wanted to punch her in her mouth, but I I, I didn't want her to be dead. You killed a person, someone's child, someone's sister, someone's friend, someone's girlfriend is now taken from this earth. And there was zero emotion shown. It just makes you pause and think, was it self-defense? So what are you guys' thoughts? Do you think Shantarica killed Tina in self-defense? Or do you think this was cold-blooded Second-degree murder. Now, to our favorite part of the episode. Takeaways. Steph, why don't you take us away? Um, You know, this case is just, it's, it's classic. A part of it, I feel like, is classic. Like, growing into yourself, figuring yourself out, trying to establish your own boundaries, and trying to handle confrontation. And while I do think that this is a classic case of second-degree murder, um, I also believe that this was what I kept referring to inside of the episode as just like a pot of boiling water. It was slow heat, but once that water is hot, baby, it's, it's, it takes a while to, to cool it off. And that once that pot starts to overflow, so kind of just for me, I have to go back over the things that I think that led to this, right? And by no, by no means am I blaming Tina for her death because I don't care what anybody does to you, you don't take their life. Life is precious. It is not yours to take ever. 
But the first thing that I can look at, and I think I can look at this from the perspective of an adult who fully knows my boundaries. I know how to, you know, um, deal with confrontation. And when I was younger, it was harder. And I think I get that in this situation because they are like 20, 20, 18 years old, probably maybe even 17 for Shanterica. Um, and so you're trying to just figure it out. But one of the things that immediately struck me is like, what? When Shanterica was not cleaning up after herself and was eating Tina's food, I wish that somebody who was a mentor, a coach, um, that she trusted, and maybe she didn't open up to any of those people who were in her life who were older, but I just wish they would have told her, hey, like that mediation that they were trying to have <laughs> between um, Tina and Shanterica towards the middle, I wish that would have been had earlier. Because I think a lot of those situations that bug them, I think it was a real, true annoyance, and I think that Tina had every right to be like, girl, why is you eating my food? <laughs> I also feel like that could have been solved, too. And so, you know, when Tina or Shanterica went out of her way to call her mother because she was really bothered by what took place, that was just another boundary that was crossed. But how can you fix something when nobody ever tells you, right? And your first knowing or happenstance about it is through the the RA, at your campus apartment, you know, or Twitter, right? Like or Twitter. I found I out about Twitter. you don't like it because I get on social media. Yeah, it just lends to this environment that just will only produce something like this to happen, right? Like I can't expect to go to Florida where they have orange trees and expect for that to produce an apple tree. No, I can't. All of these these tensions built up. Because things were left unsaid, because you're handling things in, in the wrong way by going to Twitter and, you know, causing up, stirring the pot. I mean, I just feel like this is an unfortunate situation. And I guess I just, I just, I'm like, dang, I wish it could have been handled differently. Because you, looking back on it, you can always see the things that should not have happened the way that they did. And so, for me, that's what I look at. I'm like, dang. They could have did that different. They could have did that different. They could have. So that lended to me kind of like trying to get you guys to go back and put yourself in the mindset that you were in in college. Because then I think only through those lens can you really understand, well, yeah. Yeah, I probably would have done that too. But at the same time, I just wish that they would have left. Somebody would have left that situation once they got into that shoving match, you know? Like, it's just unfortunate. Yeah, I think for me, the little things can become the big things, right? So it was it was a lot of little things that may have felt big in the moment, but when you really look at them in isolation, they were little things. But when you when you put them together, it culminates into a really big thing. And I 1,000%, I mean, I think when I was watching... One of the episodes, I was, when they did not attend mediation, I was like, and that could have solved it. Like, seriously, even if at the end of it all, they still didn't like each other after mediation. Like, let's just pretend they went to mediation and best efforts happened at mediation. 
and they walk away still not liking each other, but knowing and having tools and people involved that can help them navigate through the, the last couple of months of them living together, right? Because this was not a forever thing. We all know that like roommate situations is a year, in college is a year at best, right? I am your roommate for a year. And I may not like you, but here we are for a year. And we're not talking about a 12-month year. We're talking about a school year. We're talking about a school year. So that's like nine months out of a year. And so I just, you know, I hate that they didn't attend the mediation because I really do believe that those little things could have been, it could have been more clear that these are really little things. And okay, next time I have an issue, even if I don't feel comfortable coming to you, maybe we can come back to this mediation or maybe I now have this mediator that can help us navigate these issues and I can call them and I have somebody that helps me, you know, walk through because that's what the RAs are for. I mean, they they yes, they are there to enforce the rules, but they also are there to like navigate these kinds of like issues, right? It's it's really and I think that you're right, Steph, like when you're young like this and your brain is not fully developed, you do stupid stuff like this. I mean, but I know, you know, grown people that do stupid stuff like this. Like get on Twitter and or social media and like dump all their trash on social media and that's how they handle their passive aggressive, you know, you know, feelings. But it it really and so I do think that Tina did some crazy things and I think that Shantarica did some crazy things. And at the end of the day, Although neither one of them felt like they could get out of the lease. Like, I, I got to be here. I'm on scholarship. This is where I am. You know, I wish that one of them just said, you know what? I'm just going to go stay with my boyfriend. I, like, Tina. I'm just going to go. Let me. You know what? You're always at my house. Let's just go be at your house. Or Shantarica. You know what? I'm just going to go stay with my friend. Like, I, you know what? I'm going to spend the night over there. I'm going to crash on your couch. I'm, I'm just not, I'm not going to be, I'm only going to come here to take a shower and leave. I'm, I'm just, you know, we can't coexist. So I'm going to do whatever I can to be around you as minimal as possible. You know, it, it really does suck that something so minor took something so precious. Yeah, I totally agree. I think that 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 encapsulated it perfect. Um, something so minor took away something so perfect, which is life, which is valuable. And um, yeah, Casey's life is forever changed because that wasn't his girlfriend just for like six months. That was his girlfriend for a couple of years. I Man, more than likely, he he said he wanted to marry her. You know, like he wanted that to be his forever person. So it's just unfortunate. Um, she has tried to get out on appeal. Um, but she has not been successful. So currently she is still locked up in Tennessee. So that's our case for the day. We want to make sure to encourage you to share if you care this episode with friends and family. Just copy the link, shoot them a text, um, and make sure that you are on the paid subscribers um, option that we have now. And... We will see you guys next.